Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Having other partners underwrite a deal with you, sit down with you, is this for us? When you start seeing how they see the deal and their concerns, you're like, whoa, whoa, I did not see that coming, especially when you have a partner with that much experience. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm here today with our guest, ABL Ballesteros. ABL is joining us from Miami, Florida. He's a full-time real estate investor with 16 years of experience, and his portfolio consists of 845 units. Before we get started, ABL, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Man, thank you for having me on the show. I got into real estate in 2005. I was drawn to the business by that boom that was going on in real estate back then. I was doing residential appraisals, sold me on it. As a young kid, my dad did a lot of rehab and maintenance work and, and things like that. So I was always around the construction business at a very early age. So it drew me to the business. I would have to say at that era, I was about 25 years old. I was kind of lost in my life. I chose the path of workforce coming out of high school instead of going to college and did a lot of numerous types of jobs. I think the only one that kept records of how many jobs I had was my mother. And I started the workforce very early. At the age of 16, I was already out there working. So school was not an option for me, not because I didn't grow up in a family that education. It just, I didn't connect well in school. I struggled in school with education and the way the school was, it didn't fit me at that stage in my life. I won't preach that to my kid now. My son now is, uh, I would love for him to go to school. But back then, just working for me and making money was the option that I wanted to go through. So going through a lot of jobs, I fell into real estate and it just hit me. I just loved the industry immediately. But it evolved from different things. It evolved from a residential appraisal to start flipping properties with my father, with his background in construction. And that led it to appraisal to doing a lot of flips between 2005 and then 2008. The crash hit. I was very fortunate that I had some strong and older mentors that were flagging me down. Hey, you got to slow down. 
something's going to happen, something's going to happen. I was able to exit on a lot of my flips in time in that 2008. So I didn't get to experience that hit that a lot of them took. But I did lose all my business in the sense that I had no cash flow, nothing going on that had an income. Appraisals dropped. They changed the regulations. It was hard to do business. So gradually, I dwelled off into other businesses that I do restaurants or marketing. That led me back into going full-time into real estate and flipping houses because in 2010, the properties were just amazing. The prices were cheap. I saw the amount of all these hedge funds gobbling about properties in South Florida. And that's how I lived from then on. And just slowly, I started watching how syndicators and multifamily guys were buying the properties. I got myself really educated through shows like this, through podcasts, through YouTube videos, trying to learn how do investors buy these big, large apartments. It always intrigued me. And slowly but surely, I got into duplexes, fourplexes. That was extremely hard to scale. I was living a life of a roller coaster, flipping houses. One day I was bawling. The next day I was fully invested in four or five houses. And that was extremely stressful. And that's when I started saying, I need to commit to a certain amount of cash flow to cover. It started first covering my expenses. I think that a lot of multifamily investors go down that path. I just want to cover my expenses and do my thing on the side with the real estate. And then I just got hooked with the multifamilies, man. Now I am full-time syndicator buying large apartments and actually not touching any single family flips at the moment. Actually, I am so focused that if you send me a house, I won't even open the email because I just don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. I just want to get big apartments. So tell me about your first syndication, please. So my first syndication was in Cape Coral, Florida. It was a 16-unit syndication with a friend of mine, a partner which actually we own a a lot more units now. And we bought that deal together. He put in the capital. I found the deal. I did the operational. I increased the rents. Once we stabilized it, we refinanced the property with Fannie Mae. And we had the vision of a long-term hold. And we got an offer. It was an off-market offer. It was a local broker that sent us an offer. And we were like, how much are they going to give us for this? We just couldn't believe it. And we told them, oh, we have a loan. And we explained to them the loan is assignable. And what's crazy was I wasn't that educated. I knew I needed to get an assignable mortgage just in case, but I didn't know how desirable that was. And it was actually very desirable to this buyer that we already had the mortgage locked in and ended up exiting within four months after we got the mortgage. My mentality now is a little different. Now I would probably not have set that offer because now we have a longer term hold. But that was my first syndication multifamily deal. It was a 16-unit one. Did you have syndicators on that or just your one capital partner? It was two capital partners. So it was actually a joint venture. Okay. You found the deal. They fully funded the entire deal, rehab, everything? Correct. 100%. ABL, do you remember the numbers on that property? There were townhouses. There were 16 townhouses. We bought them at $70,000 a door. We spent an average between ten dollars to $12,000 a unit. And I know that we hit a target rent of between twelve dollars and $1,300 a unit. And we exited at 118 a unit. So it was a nice little flip. It was How nice. many years did you hold that? It wasn't even a year. So uh, now you're riding this market wave up. I made more money on that small multifamily flip than I was making in residentials. Because residentials, we use sometimes bridge loans to buy these properties. There's paying a mortgage out of my pocket to pay the bridge. And this multifamily had income influences day one. 
So it just offset that overhead of paying a bridge loan or a private loan on a single family. And it just made so much sense. It was just like, oh my God, this is sweet, man. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless, from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. Were you a one-third partner in this deal? That deal was a sweet deal. It's hard to close those type of deals. It was 50-50. It was a 50-50. Yeah. And it's hard to close 50-50s now. Now that you're scaling it, it's not like that anymore. So Uh, what was your next deal? Next deal was another small apartment, 14 units in Fort Myers. That one was very similar, not with the same investor, with a different investor. Very similar. That deal actually went a little longer. That one almost went two years, but same exact model, same structure. And then from that one, I jumped into a 32 units in Crystal River, Florida. Then from there, I scaled it to 100 units in Miami. And now we are only looking at deals that are above 80 units. They just make more sense for our business model. ABL, your first two capital partners hit a home run on the first deal. Why didn't they invest with you on the second and subsequent deals? They did. The first one that did the Cape Coral bought with me on the 100 units that we bought. Okay. Uh, the one that did the 14 units to this day, he's still also my equity partner on deals. With cap rates compressing, what is your target cash on cash or IRR number that you want to hit on each of these properties? We need to be above a 10% cash on cash. Our IRRs have to be at least 18 and above. Traditionally, most of the deals that we're looking at, IRRs are above 20%. Realistic conservative numbers. We want to be realistic. Our business model is distressed properties. We don't buy stabilized product. Most of our deals have 20, 30% vacancy. They're just in poor shape. That's our criteria. They usually come off market. We buy properties that are completely empty. We just, we're on the contract on a deal now that's completely empty. That's what we like to get. We like to get into the heavy lifts. There's your strong background work ethic, wanting to take these distressed properties and completely turn them around. How do you find these deals? Strategically, what I did was when I created, I want to say I, when we created SAR Apartment Capital at my two partners, Renee Sanchez and Sam Jaziri, I saw that we shared the same values and principles and love for distressed properties. And what I mean is that I would show investors a vacant multifamily building and they would just get terrified. They're like, oh, this is too risky. I would show it to these two guys and they would get so excited. I'm like, yes, this is exciting. Just got to get it at the right price. They weren't scared of the heavy lift. In fact, they wanted those type of deals. For them, it was actually less riskier because that's the way I saw it. If we get it so cheap, it's actually less riskier because we know what we're walking into. We have a plain canvas to underwrite a deal. We got access to all the units. We're seeing the condition. We know it's going to cost this much. 
So for us, it was easier than looking at stabilized products where you have so many hidden things. Properties are fully furnished. Tenants are living in it. You don't get to see too much of all the units. Sometimes you don't get access to all the units. So this is just like I said, an open canvas just for you to just see everything that it has. So if you think back to when you were doing all of this yourself and then you took on the initial partners, what advice would you give somebody that has always done their own deals and now they're looking to take on capital partners or do a raise? What advice would you give them? Yeah, the best thing I ever did was joint ventures with my partners. It's a dynamic that we needed. One of my partners, he's been in the business 40 years, very successful in real estate. Renee has also been in business a very long time in multifamilies. So I don't have to make a decision on my own anymore. That stress of having partnerships allows you to see the things that you don't see. Sometimes we're so stuck in our vision and we're so gun-holed on what we want and what we want to see. Sometimes we're blinded because we're so eager to do a deal. Having other partners underwrite a deal with you, sit down with you, is this for us? When you start seeing how they see the deal and their concerns, you're like, whoa, whoa, I did not see that coming, especially when you have a partner with that much experience. So that to me was the best decision I made. It's like going back to a board meeting and bring to your board a deal that you feel confident. Then they just start chopping it down. It's a necessity. This is not a one-man game. You need a team around you. You need a strong support team. And what we did also to bring in this team is that we joined ventures with on our transaction with a contractor that's highly experienced. So he comes in and before we get out of our DD, our inspection period, he gives us his advice on what maybe we might be missing. And that is just three great minds giving you advice on a deal. It just makes it so much better, man, and for the investors. That is great advice. Is your contractor a part of this deal as well? He does come in in some of the deals with us. What are the challenges with that? Well, it's not really a challenge. We see it as when you have a contract that's actually putting some capital up into the deal, we actually embrace that. Are there any conflicts of interest when that happens? That is always the concern. There's a conflict of interest. The way we go around the conflict of interest is we have our underwriting. We're very specific of what a cost to a knob installed in a unit is. So we have our own construction detailed list of what each item should cost and which each item should cost in labor and material. So we would walk and underwrite the units, just like we underwrite an Excel sheet and look at, we would do the same thing on a per unit basis. So we kind of have an exact specific cost of what we know the units are going to cost. And then we give it to him. Can you do it for this amount? And once we show him that amount, he tells us, yeah, we've not seen this and that, but we already know ourselves. We shouldn't be too off of what we think it's going to cost. Got it. So you've mentioned deals with joint venture partners. You also do deals with syndicators that are passive investors. That is correct. We just closed on a deal that we did with a group in Ohio. And how did you go about finding your investors and the passive deals? The passive deals were word of mouth, relationships, talking to a lot of people in my circle in Miami. Once you do a couple of deals in multifamily, sometimes you just got to get in with the small deals first to get some experience under your belt, definitely get that advice. Once you're able to do a couple small multifamilies, some people are fortunate and they can just go in into bigger deals. I started the small route. I started with duplex and tribes and fourplex to the 16 to the 14. That's the way I built my relationship and my experience. Once you have a few of those, you become more attractive to investors. There's a lot of investors that they're at their point in their lives that they're educated in multifamilies. They know the business well. They've had success in that business. 
but they don't want to be the operator. They want to find a partnership with someone that is a strong operator that is knowledgeable. And I found that niche. I saw that there's investors that know the business very well, probably better than I do, but they just don't want to be the boots on the ground anymore. But they do want to invest with an operator that will. Do you also have novice investors that you have to educate on the passive side? I've had those. I do. There's friends and family that have nothing to do with real estate that put in some capital in our deals. We do have those. And what challenges are there with trying to educate those folks and get them to see the long-term picture of what you're doing? Um, I think it's a personality thing. Some of them are very hands-on and want to know every time you send them a monthly report. Some of them are just okay with just hearing about the property. I know that some of them like to drive around the property. They like to see it. They like to walk it. Some of them don't ever go to the property. It's definitely a personality thing. The only challenge that I find is not with them. It's more of in-house, making sure that when we provide our monthly reporting that is as detailed as possible. If you do that and you're consistent with your monthly reporting to your investors and you make sure it's very detailed, there's no reason for them to give you a call unless they have a concern about something that they saw in the report. But if you communicate well on a monthly basis with your investors and on that monthly reporting, you should be fine. Good. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in doing all of these deals? What's the hardest lesson you've learned? Oh, that's, that's so many. There, Give me a real tough one uh, that hit you. Attention to detail. My two lessons are attention to detail on your craft. You can't assume anything. Do not assume the contracts that you're signing are going to be okay. Do not assume the agreements that you're doing are going to be okay. Do not assume that everyone is an expert in construction. Those are my experiences. My expensive lessons of life have been those. Assuming that someone told me something, I saw their resume, I saw their background, that they knew what they were doing in construction. Do not assume that someone read this agreement and said, oh, everything's fine. No. Give me bullet points. What are my warnings on this contract? What should I be aware of? And that goes with attorneys. Do not assume that you're attorneys. Some attorneys just browse through it. They need to be very detailed in what they read in these contracts. So the attention to detail is something that I work on every day in my life, especially when you're trying to grow a business. And I stop assuming that everyone knew what they were doing. That's great advice. And having your partners involved probably helps that attention to detail as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, Good. Yeah. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Clarity. You need to have clarity on what you want all the way down to the specific product you want to buy, to the specific city, suburbs, or neighborhood that you want to be in. You got to have that clarity of what exactly you want. And the day you discover that, it's something that would take away so much stress from you. If you want to be the investor that's doing it all, you're not going to draw the big bucks. You need to become an expert on one thing, understand it, learn it, be obsessed with it, understand that city, understand the submarkets, understand the rents in that city. If anyone says, I want to call Ash, I know that Ash is going to tell me specifically the most confident market he's in because you have that clarity. And that is a mistake that I see investors and friends of mine make all the time. It's a mistake I made for many years. Once you obsess about one thing, you become so good at it that when you talk to someone about it, they're going to know you know your stuff. Are there markets that you focus on and that if there's a deal that comes up in a market you're not familiar with? It happens all the time. It draws you in because you see the numbers are great, but then it goes, you got to stay disciplined. No, that's not my sub market. This is my sub market. I'm sorry. The numbers look great, 
but you got to make sure you stick to the submarkets you're an expert at. As of right now, we are an expert in Atlanta. We're an expert in Columbus, Ohio. We're an expert in South Florida. We're an expert in Jacksonville and an expert in Orlando. I'm not an expert in North Carolina, Texas, all those hot markets. Right now, we're not there yet. Right now, these are my markets right now where I'm confident at. Let's take Columbus, Ohio. What's special about that? Why are you an expert and what makes it Uh, a good place to invest? We've done a lot of underwriting. We purchased 194 units in Columbus, Ohio. The deal that was brought to our table, we wanted to be in Ohio, Cincinnati and Columbus. We saw the job growth, the economy that was doing well. So we wanted to spread our investments. And that was one of the ones we identified. And then a deal fell in front of us that we had to buy and ended up being a home run. And, and that deal actually was a syndication deal with other syndicators. Explain that. that. A so great, you, great relationship. You went in on a deal with other syndicators. Can you tell me more about that deal and how that worked? Yeah, so we raised 50% with another group. It's a gentleman called Mike Wake and his group, Doron, Mike, and Chris. And they raised money with a group of friends and family. They've done a few of these. They're very educated in that business. And then my group, SAR Parman Capital, came in with the other 50% of the equity. We bought it with a bridge loan. It was a very distressed asset. It had over, I'll say about 25, I think it was 25 to 30% vacancy really below rents. We bought it at $41,000 a door, which ended up being a home run. Average rents were between 800 to 900. It is a heavy lift. We're actually still in the middle of the rehab. So the other syndicator found the deal. We found the deal. Oh, you found the deal. Why did you partner with the other syndicator? We had a mutual friend, David. David does all our financing on multifamilies. And David did a phone call with me and Gwaith on a Zoom call. This is like in the beginning of COVID and we hit it off immediately. I liked what they were offering and their expertise and their knowledge. And the conversation just went well. And then we had a couple other Zoom calls. We underwrited a bunch of deals together. I saw the way they underwrite their deals and I just knew they were pros at what they did. And then this deal came up. I proposed a deal to them. They said, yeah, let's do it. I went to my partner. I want to do more business with this group. I think we could grow with them and it just led to that. And you guys are equal partners on the deal in terms of managing the asset? No, they handle the asset management side. I handle the construction side of the property. So we spread the responsibilities. Would you do another one of those? Yeah, 100%. Good. ABL, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our sponsors. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com. ABL, what's the best ever book you recently read? Oh, the 50 Cent book. What is that? Tell me more. Oh, man, the 50 Cent book just came out. I don't know how to explain it, man. It was such a great read. He basically explains everything about how he did all his deals coming from vitamin water all the way to his show with power. He just gives a different perspective of what you assume. It's just a rapper when he's not a very successful businessman. That's my last book I just read. It was great. I recommend it for 
anyone that's interested in business, but is also into the hip hop culture. Great advice. Abiel, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Ooh, I like to give back work. Like I like that we have right now 120 people throughout our projects. I like to see that we're a growing company and we have a, giving out a lot of employment. We were employing a lot of people during COVID. So that to me brings me a sense of pride that there's a lot of people that are eating off this multifamily business. It's not just me and my partners, but this employs a lot of people. These are large apartments. You know, one apartment could bring a lot of money into an economy. So it's a beautiful thing, man. That is a great accomplishment and a great responsibility as well. Yeah. yeah. ABL, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? They can reach me at my email, abl at ablbiestatos.com. And they can shoot me an email there and they can go to my website. And also it's ablbiestatos.com and hit me up if they have any questions or want to do a quick underwriting or anything like that. I'm always open to talk to someone about the business and any ideas that they have. I love this stuff, man. That's great that you're willing to help. ABL, thank you again for all of your great advice today. You had an untraditional upbringing. You didn't go the traditional college route. You had numerous jobs, found the real estate bug. And you had a great trajectory on the way up. The typical single family, multifamily, graduated to syndications and partnerships. So thank you again for sharing your story with the best ever listeners. Really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time. Have a best ever day.